Los Angeles. What's up, Ramley? Welcome to the Rams Skinny here on the LA Football Network. Joined as always by my man, Ryan Skinny Tanderson. I'm your co-host, Ryan Dyrud. Another loss for this Rams team as they dropped to three and four in what was a very winnable game. Not even a winnable game, a should have won game as they fall to the Steelers 24 to 17. So we're going to get all into that, give our thoughts, observations, the state of this team and franchise and kind of where do they go from here? Is this really a playoff team or is this really just a three and four football team? You know, you are what your record are is, but we'll, we'll dive into that more. So, but first of all, on the upside, my man, Skinny T, what's up? How you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. I've got a hot cup of tea here. We're recording in the AM for those of you that uh, don't know. We normally uh, go in the PM, so I got a little bit of sun on me. But uh, yeah. a sore throat this morning. Uh, you know, fall flu season, full swing. So I'm I'm uh, sipping on some hot tea to uh, <clears throat> keep the uh, vocal cords uh, lubricated. Good for you. you I woke up with a, I woke up with a sore throat too. So I think it's just that it's that time of year, mm-hmm. late October, November. Got the sniffles, you know, it drops, it drops to 65 here in LA. And all of a sudden it's like, oh man, it's, it's flu season. Like, it's like, here it's, comes it's the, weather. Yeah. yeah, I love it. It's great. We, we put the, uh, we put the down puff on the bed the last night because it's so cold. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, hey, it does. I mean, it does get chilly at night, especially the way these houses are made. Uh, it's like, there's no insulation. So, I mean, we have the morning, I think this morning our, in our house was like 59 degrees or something in our house, which is, you know, it's a cold wake up call. It's a cold wake up call. You know, I've, I've been watching that way, uh, uh, Welcome to Wrexham show. The uh, oh, so Ryan, Ryan Rounds really, really, really great show. Definitely check that out if you got Hulu. Uh, but there was uh, so they had uh, some snowfall on the field uh, in March uh, last year, and they had the whole mm. community out there shoveling the snow off the field. But that reminds me of my uh, young young days shoveling snow from the sidewalk, and I'm so happy I don't have to do that anymore. That's for sure. That looked miserable oh. out there. The worst. I, I remember, so being in high school, and then we'll get into Rams talk, don't worry. Living in Colorado, and I'm sure you had to do this too. So now they have, I don't know if you've seen going back home, but it's like they have, um, you know, like the windshield scrapers. Don't sure. But they have them like, they have them like it's a glove. Like you put like a nice warm glove on, and then there's like a windshield wiper <laughs> attached to it, or windshield scraper attached to it, so like your hand stays warm. Um, well, when I was growing up, I'm not even that old, but when I was growing up, they didn't have those yet, or at least I didn't know of them. And I was also too cheap to buy like a legit windshield scraper. So I would just use like a credit card. And so being out at like six in the morning before high school, like with a credit card, scraping like the snow and ice, using like my hoodie to like wipe the windows. Like I'm like driving like Ace Ventura out the window. It's all fogged <laughs> up trying to like, oh, I don't miss that at all. I, I like the snow and you can enjoy it as like Christmas time in the evening with hot cocoa. Waking up before the sun's up when it's negative degrees and the snow's on the ground absolutely miserable so we'll take our 59 we'll take our 59 absolutely <laughs> so there's yeah, our 100%. there's our welcome you're watching welcome to rex and there's our welcome to la uh <laughs> happy to be here uh all right rams talk well actually no first real quick underdog fantasy we got to talk about our new friends over there finally won some last night skinny I, I was on a cold streak forever and finally got one of my lineups to hit in that monday night game thanks to a great game from former trojan jordan addison um, but go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use our promo code RAMSLAFB, all one word, RAMSLAFB. They're going to match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So you put a, actually right now they're doing a promo for 500 with our promo code. So you're up to $500. You put 500 in, they give you a free 500. Um, you put 20 in, they give you a free 20. So they're always going to match it. So head to Underdog Fantasy. It's super fun. You pick your lineups between two and five players in any sport. You can do 
NFL tonight, actually, every single NHL team will be facing out. I think it's one of the first time the NHL has done that, where every team plays on the same night. So you have tons of options with NHL. You know, you can choose, you know, shots. You can choose touchdowns for football. You can choose uh, runs or RBIs for baseball players. A ton of fun. Pick your lineup, uh, win some money, and join us on there. We'll, we'll start giving some lineups out that we can play together. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code RAMS, LAFB. Tell them the guys at the LA Football Network sent you. And if you're hearing the singing behind me, that's uh, this little nugget. Little <laughs> me is home with me. So that's why, we, you know, that's what you get with a morning recording show. But – all right. Rams lose 24-17. Another game they should have won. They were only up 9-3 at half thanks to some miscues from now former Rams kicker Brett Maher just announced this morning he has been released by the team. Seven points total left off the board thanks to Brett Maher, which would have tied the game at least. But also just offensively, miscues. I mean, there was a, there was a myriad of mistakes in that second half and just un, inopportune opportunities not taking advantage of in the first half at the top skinny, as we always do your overall overarching observations from this one. We kind of touched on it a little before we hopped on, but I'm just amazed that this offense is just still looking the way it is. Obviously Seattle's um, defense is, is one of the better defenses they've faced all year, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm just shocked that uh, they're not stringing together better drives. They're not uh, scoring more points. I, I was, you know, heading into the season, I thought 30 points a game was about where they're going to, they're going to be. And I don't have like huge existential questions, um, but I do wonder what it is that they're going to, uh, how they're going to improve this uh, offense going forward. Uh, even looking forward till 2024 when they have a lot more cap space to work with and they're going to be uh, spending a bit more freely and they've got all those you know, three top 100 draft picks. What is it that's going to flip this? Or is this something that is just a um, a McVeigh thing where it, these drives are kind of um, falling apart? And we, we've talked a lot about McVeigh's play calling and they did run the ball 30 times. Uh, so this is where your, uh, your theory, this, this is where your theory falls apart. But, um, you know, they, they were down to, Daryl Henderson back on uh, the squad after he, you know, they, they, as they like to say on TV, he was signed off the couch. Um, and then Royce Freeman, who um, was on the practice squad um, heading into this game before uh, all the injuries there. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's befuddling. It's, it's frustrating um, to just see, you know, flashes of, of really exciting things. You mentioned Jordan Addison. You look at that game, you look at that 49ers uh, Vikings Monday night football game. And that's what really set it apart was um, those explosive plays. And that was just not happening uh, on Sunday for the Rams. Um, but yeah, we talked about it in the pre-show about how it's, it's really fascinating that we thought going into the season in order for this team to really have a chance of, of doing something special the offense, as you mentioned, was going to need to score 30 plus points a game. And the defense was going to need to just get like, you know, some crucial stops. And it's really the opposite. The defense, you know, I, I obviously gave up some points there in the second half, but the defense overall is what's keeping this team in every game. And the offense just stalls out, especially in the second half, but specifically in, in crucial moments and, and in pivotal moments when they need points specifically. And so it's, it's a, Unfortunately, through seven games now, it's kind of at the point now, this is who they are. And it's what's, I think what's most frustrating, you kind of alluded to it, is 
it's who they are, but what's what's the weird thing about it is they're not the same team every single week, if that makes sense. Like, this is who they are. They're a three and four football team. But some weeks you're like, this is a good football team. This is a team that can compete. They play complementary football. And in some weeks you're like, yep, no, this is a rebuild team that's just not all there. And so they don't have that consistency yet. And until they do, this is who they are. We just don't know what to expect week in and week out. Now, I expect them to go out and probably beat the Cowboys next week. And I think we pick the Rams every week, which sounds so homerish, but it's like based on what we see now, this is a game where McVay is going to call an absolute gem of a game uh, against the Cowboys probably, and we'll see this offense explode. But we'll get to that later in the week. But um, I think what's, as you mentioned, and, and it goes back to McVay. And so this is the last thing I'll say before tossing it back to you and I don't want to come on here every every loss and bag on on the head coach and, and say, you know, this is the reason because, you know, these are professional athletes and a lot of it they do need to execute. And they're just not, you know, Alaric Jackson had one of his worst games at left tackle, really bad PFF grade. Cooper Cup had one of his worst games um, as a Ram, as a professional, had two drops early on, just never could get in a rhythm. Bukunakua played phenomenal yet again. I mean, it's almost like he's kind of getting forgotten now. He's just good every single week that he's not getting as much shine as he was getting early on. Um, I think, uh, what was the stat? He's two yard. It was two yards shy of the most yards for a rookie ever through seven games, two yards shy. And Jamar chase holds that record. So incredible what he's doing, but looking at McVay, looking at the play calling, looking at the creativity that just isn't there. And then when you look at the struggles of Brett Maher and how he's been this season, he's had some good games, but overall, even dating back to last year, you kind of knew he wasn't a long-range kicker. And specifically this year, his misses, for the most part, all came from beyond 50 yards. So with two opportunities of the offense either going for it, flipping the field, or kicking of a 50-plus yard field goal, McVay opts to kick. He misses both of them. The Steelers score on both of those drives having you know very opportune field positions. So kickers got to make kicks. Not giving an excuse to Brett Maher. You're a professional. You got to make kicks. But as a coach, knowing what you know about the history of your kicker, and I'm not saying 50 yard kicks are easy for any kicker, but knowing this particular kicker really has like a sub 20% make rate from 50, you probably got to either go for it at that instance. And if you don't make it, you're, you're no worse off. Or you flip the field, put them in bad field position, and at least give your defense a better shot uh, than that. So, a lot of things we'll get into, but that was just, you know, McVay, again, just kind of isn't quite coaching to the level that he's capable of. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, year after year, we see that um, um, uh, special teams is kind of an afterthought. And especially heading into this year where there was no kicker, no punter, uh, no return specialist, uh, no long snapper uh, coming into the yeah. season, um, you know, and they they, they kind of got all that worked out. But you know, these are the things that uh, really come back to bite you. But ultimately, I think that um, what's really hurting the offense is they're not able to punch in the ball when they need to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's when you have opportunities to score touchdowns, go get seven. Don't don't get three, you know. And, you know, as great of a year that Stafford is having, the one stat that he's really lagging behind um, is his touchdown passes, and I'm not blaming him at all. It's it's obviously a scheme thing. It's obviously a play calling issue, um, you know. And there was a <clears throat> definitely a few early on where they were, you know, they punched in some, you know, one or two yard runs 
that would have boosted those stats, but just kind of goes to show you that, um, you know, this, th- that's where, this is where this team is, is actually struggling is getting down, you know, into the red zone and then, and putting seven on and trying and relying on Brett Maher. Obviously that's a decision they've uh, decided they were, they regret and they're moving on. And I think that's the right choice uh, to make at this point. Um, uh, because you need somebody uh, more consistent, but overall it's, you know, get seven, not three. Yeah. And for those uh, that don't know yet, uh, as we mentioned, Brett Maher released and they just signed, uh, I believe his name is Lucas Havrisk off the Browns practice squad. So for any kicking enthusiasts out there, maybe you can fill us in on, on the history of Lucas Havrisk or, or while you're talking, I'll look up where he at least played college ball, but you know, that's the, that's the future of the Rams kicking game. So hopefully we'll see a lot of just, just fourth, uh, fourth and goes. And, and we just see this offense stay on the field a lot and, and we'll see if they get aggressive with it. So, um, but skinny, I mean, let's, let's talk a few positives. Well, no, let's keep with the negative. We'll end with positive. We always want to end the show positively. So stick with the negative. So that's the overarching concern with this team. Looking at this game, then we'll go big picture, and then we'll go positive this game, positive big picture. That's how we'll outline it for those following along. <laughs> Give me three, outside of what we talked about big picture-wise, kind of concerns you had in this one, whether it was a specific player, whether it was a specific play call, whether it was a, a series or whatever, and you don't have to give me three right away. We can go back and forth, but, or two to three, just, but give me one that you're kind of like, okay, this was an opportunity for this team that they, they severely fudged up or missed. Um, well, I think, you know, what I want to see them do is walk and chew gum at the same time. So, you know, I'm not, it's hard to be critical of Cooper cup because he has been so phenomenal over overall, but, you know, I want to see the interplay between uh, Cup and Nakua uh, in in more games, and that's just that's you know that's something that I th- think they really fell short on is, um, you know, we haven't seen we, we saw one game where they they kind of got equal touches and and uh, target share, and um, so that that's just a quick one, an easy one for me to say that um, in order for this offense to be clicking. You do. You need more than one wide receiver, and that's how they. That's how they won the the Super Bowl in twenty twenty one. Is they had two guys really clicking. Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup were were both playing really phenomenal football, uh, heading into the playoffs and in 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 the playoffs. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah. you know they, they've they've got the running game going. We'll talk more about that. Um, um, so they just need to put all these pieces together um, to to make it click. Yeah, and that's all. I'll just piggyback on that because that's. Where I think, and again, we talked about this a couple shows ago. Is it is it play call? Is it by design, or is it Stafford just honing in on one? And you know what? Whether it was the progression called for just a particular player, and and Stafford, they were whether they were open or not, just keyed in on that, or whether it's whatever it is, they got to get on the same page. And I totally agree. They got to get more involved because even dating back to before the Super Bowl winning team, I mean, you look at when it was Cooper Cup, Bobby Trees. And um, Brandon Cooks and like they had a really good thing going with those three receivers able to get them all involved. And I think they have not I think I know they have a really solid triage now when you look at obviously Cup and Nakua but Tutu Outwell has been phenomenal this year had the the one catch where he kind of cut off Cooper Cup, but made the phenomenal play for the touchdown for 31 yards. That was his only catch. And I'm pretty sure that was probably his only target he made I I didn't don't have it in front of me but I don't think he had many more targets than that either. 
And so there's got to be a way where whether it's McVay, whether it's Stafford, whoever it may be, really gets the rest of this receiving core involved because as great as Cooper Cup is, as great as Puka Nakua has been, this offense can be so much better if you have that versatility and that ability to get all those three guys involved. So that's kind of my big concern, I guess, is why is Tutu out now not more involved, which is so funny to say, seeing where we were a year ago. But I, I think they can really use him as a weapon, and he's he's grown so much as a player. He's He's got tremendous hands he's showing this year and really good instincts, and they're not using his speed. They're not using you know what his play set is. I mean, we're seeing him more involved going over the middle on – on little corner route or little post routes than we are seeing them on, on nine routes and stuff. So how are they going to get them involved to where they can do different things to their skill set? So, yeah, I agree with you. That's definitely one that is a little bit head scratching still. And I'm going to flip it around to the other side. And I think um, from a defensive perspective, we talked a lot about the edge rushers and um, I, you know, they're, it's hard to criticize them, Uh, you know, Byron Rung, Young and uh, Michael Hoyt. Um, but I think this is especially one of those games where they, they should have been harassing uh, Kenny Pickett a lot more. And they definitely got to him. Hoyt had those two nice sacks. Um, but I think that, um, you know, it, it's always going to be the, the thing I'm, I'm, I'm going to harp on just because they haven't really – they've invested plenty of draft capital in that. But um, I think they just need to get a, a bit more exotic with it. And, uh, you know, we saw some cornerback uh, – uh, uh, um, uh, pressures and and I think that kind of thing is fantastic. But you know we saw it kind of last year where they struggled, even with kind of a, a full uh, roster when Leonard Floyd was still on Bobby Wagner, they were having a, a, a tough time kind of creating uh, pressures in a in a fun and exotic way that's um, you know going to catch offenses off guard. And you saw it on the opposite side where uh, T.J. Watt just kind of you know, read the play, dropped, you know, dropped in the coverage and was able to intercept a pass just because, um, you know, that, that's the kind of play that the Rams have had on tape and um, they just read it perfectly. Um, and, yep. you know, that that's the kind of uh, veteran play that we don't get to see a lot from the Rams. Obviously not a pass rushing thing, but a pass rusher that did that, which makes it even, even more incredible. Um, yeah. And so I'm kind of asking for the impossible a little bit here. Um, but you know, that's, but you know, it, it, I I have a hard time criticizing this defense across the board just because of how inexperienced they are and, and, uh, lack of talent that they have on that side of the ball. And, you know, I was thinking about, um, the, the Raiders game they played, uh, against, uh, uh, the bears and the bears were able to blow them out. And you, you, I'm going to go back to uh, praising this defense because, um, I think that Raiders staff and the and the Rams uh, secondary, especially just with like you got one guy up front that's doing a lot of work. Them, it's Max Crosby for Rams. It's uh, Aaron Donald. But then the rest mm-hmm. is kind of nobodies. And you see where the Rams are versus where the Raiders are. Just uh, letting uh, offense with uh, my, my guy uh, Tyson Bagent uh, just run yes. roughshod all over him. <laughs> yes. Is there a QB controversy in Chicago? We've we seen the last of Justin Fields, first D two starter. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's some rumblings for sure. You know, uh, <laughs> hey, you win in your first start after being a walk on from a D two. There should be some rumblings for fun. Yeah, um, let's uh, let Tyson Cook. Yeah, 
but no great point. I mean, this defense has played very well across the board, all things considered, but you know, there's still, you know, there's still an NFL defense. There's still things you want to see. And um, you know, it's unfortunate they let, they let Pittsburgh back in this game. And obviously seven of those points came off that interception. Uh, so you can't really fault them for that. So, I mean, really only let up 17 points, but it was just inopportune at the end of the game when they let Penny kick it and George Pickens really kind of take over late. Um, and, and they were able to kind of do some stuff down the sideline and over the middle that they hadn't been able to do in the first half and previously. So, you know, little things you want to shore up. I'm not overall concerned about where this defense is, but yeah, I agree. If they can get some of those exotic looks or some of those coverage looks and not in coverage looks, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's interesting, right? Because we definitely don't want to see Michael Hoyt in coverage like we saw against Philadelphia as he's as he's chasing Dallas Godet. I would say Godet. It's Dallas Goddard down the sideline. Um, we don't want to see that, but having kind of a zone drop from one of your edge guys able to read the eyes of the quarterback like TJ Watt did, that is something that would be, you know, beautiful to see. Will we see that? Probably not, but hey, we can, like you said, we can ask for the impossible and hope. Last thing I'll say, because I don't want to just absolutely bag on the Rams. And then we're going to get the positives here to end. But last thing I'll say in terms of negative, we got to talk about the refs, right? Got to bring up the refs here. The, uh, the sixth man or the 12th man, if you will, in the Steelers favor for this one, you know, a couple real poor calls. I thought, um, we'll get to the obvious one here in a minute, but I, I really thought that that PI call on Akella Witherspoon on, was it Pickens or Johnson? I can't remember. Um, Johnson. Yeah. I think it was Johnson, Deontay Johnson. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was not at all a DPI when you when you're both going one way, the quarterback throws it in an inopportune spot, and then the receiver, you know, is just going across you to go get it, and it's your body momentum. I don't know, uh, but even when the the announcers are saying they don't say it, that's usually when you know it's not because they're usually always on the pro ref side, and so that was a big one. That was obviously it was that it was third down, I believe. Was it fourth down or was it third down? Um, it's been. 48 hours. Now I'm kind of dry. It was for sure it was third, third down. down. I thought it was third. I down. think you're right. Third down. So would have forced a punt, giving the Rams the ball back. They ended up getting the, obviously the automatic first down of that one. So that was a bad one. There's a few others. Obviously at the end of the game, the brutal fourth down conversion call that then gives them the win because the Rams have no timeouts. So they can't even challenge it. Um, I heard something. I don't know if this is true. But I heard something that had they called it short because it's a change of possession, they could have automatically reviewed it or because it's change of possession, it would have gone down to two minutes or something like that. And so then they would have been allowed to review it. So this person, again, I don't know if this is accurate or not. I haven't looked at the full rule book. This person saying they should have done that because it would have given them the opportunity to review it and then make the correct call. But because they called it first down, it was outside of two minutes. Rams had no timeouts. And so there was their hands were tied. There was nothing you could do within the rule book. But if they had called it a change of possession, that automatically could have been a view through review. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, almost all change of possessions, just like touchdowns, are automatically reviewed in a, in a way. I could be wrong on that. But that's what I heard. But anyway, your thoughts on the overall call. And if that's true, how even more egregious is that call? You know, just so obviously down. You know, and we have the technology. We can go look at it, and um, yeah. I understand that you you want to keep the keep the game moving along. Maybe refs got a nice uh, warm dinner waiting for him back at the hotel room or something like that. Uh, who knows? Um, I don't like getting into conspiracy theories, and I certainly don't like uh, blaming refs for outcomes of of games. You know, if you want to avoid that, just make sure you're up by enough scores that uh, 
you yeah. are winning the game regardless of you know whatever uh numbskull ref makes a, a a dumb call but that was it's just such an, an egregious mistake and you know if if you can get it right uh go get it right and i don't see why there's these rules to uh prevent especially on a change of possession you know uh just a a uh such a critical time in the game um where it's all kind of up up in the air for the rams um just get it right. I, I, I don't see why, you know, the, the NFL changes rules constantly and they emphasize mm-hmm. things and underemphasize things, make sure, you know, like, uh, you know, um, delay of game calls, just the, the clock goes to zero and it's like, no flag, no, you know, no flag. One thing that I, I do like is that now the um, uh, intentional grounding seems to, they're getting, they're calling that more often, which I love mm-hmm. to see just because. Yes, like, they are finally. You're yeah. right. This year, it seems like way more than in years past. But the NFL is just like famous, just constantly tweaking and changing their rules and emphasizing and de-emphasizing things. And, you know, this is a perfect situation where uh, you just say, review that kind of thing. And he, it was he was so obviously short of the line to gain. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, it's it's brutal. And you know, you have to go within the confines of what the rules are currently. You hope they get can continue getting evolving and better. But yeah, if if there was an opportunity for them to to change a possession and then automatically review it, you know, obviously that's what you should do. Because we see it all the time, right? When they for like fumbles and whatnot, they'll call it one way, even though it's so obvious it's not. But it's because it allows them to review it. Whereas if they call like a dead ball, then it's like non-reviewable. And so this is that instance. You know, one thing we do have to at least mention: Nick Faye's got to do better with timeouts right like i mean there's how many times do we see at the end of halves or games where the rams have no timeouts because they've burned them incessantly throughout the you know early parts of the quarters and you know had he had a timeout he could challenge it and then there's we're not even talking about this because the rams get the ball back and hopefully they go down and tie the game up or or whatnot and we have an overtime opportunity but you know when you're burning that timeouts you're not getting play calls in quickly enough or or whatever it may be it's you know it, it obviously costs you and i think a lot of people love overemphasizing game management. I don't want to underemphasize it because it's obviously an important part of the game. I think some people go overboard with it. And, and you know, there's so many, obviously football comes down a lot of times to one play as it did in this game, but there's so many plays and, and opportunities throughout a game to change the course of the game. And so it's not just one opportunity that in my opinion, that can, that should be over criticized because there's so many other ones to look at. But if it's a consistent thing that keeps happening, you know, you got to start wondering, not wondering, but got to just start saying like, hey, if anything, just take the delay of game. Like, let's just let's take more of these delay of games and not waste these timeouts, because in a, in a way that may have cost the Rams from being four and three versus three and four. And other coaches get absolutely destroyed for this. Brandon Staley, for instance, the other L.A. coach gets absolutely murdered for his game management. Um Gant Campbell can get murdered for his game management. And so, you know, McVeigh deserves a lot of scrutiny for not having a timeout in that instance that late in the game that when you need it the most, regardless of how poor the, the refing call was, could have all been avoided had the Rams had a timeout there. So, you know, how do you change that? I don't know. <laughs> well, and it, it goes back to a pre- previous points we were making about um, this offense in general is uh, it's, there, there's a conservative streak in McVeigh um, that rears its ugly head, whether that comes to, you know, fourth and short situations, um, 
uh, uh, goal line situations, red zone situations, um, you know, time management stuff uh, where, you know, you know, go get, you know, you're an offensive genius. Go get me three yards on fourth down. You can do it. I know you got that play. I know you got that play, man. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you know, it's, you know, you don't want to waste downs early on. And um, you know, he likes to come out of the gate and he's got his scripted plays that are all kind of uh, orchestrated in such a way that uh, one leads into the, uh, into the other. And, you know, that's a lot of his bread and butter right there. So I understand it from that perspective, but um, you know, timeouts, you know, those, those are to be used when you need to stop the clock, you know, not necessarily to save it down. And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious where this conservative streak is going to end or, or just, uh, get worse. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's almost like with this team, which is interesting because going into this year, it's like, Hey, this is a remodel year. Let's just throw balls to the wall go out there, ball out, have some fun with it. And it's almost like in a lot of these games, they're playing not to lose instead of to go win. Like they're, as you mentioned, mm. playing very conservative. The play calling gets very one-sided, very lopsided. They're, they're relying on this young defense to kind of keep them in the games. And it's like, all right, we, I had higher expectations that this team could make the playoffs. I don't think anyone, including myself, still – considers this team a true Super Bowl contender. Now, I think they can we've seen enough from this team where they absolutely can actually right the ship and get things right and actually be very competitive and go into the playoffs and maybe make some noise. But I don't think anyone especially preseason even thought this team was a playoff team. So why not just go out there and just throw caution to the wind, go for it on every fourth down, go balls the wall because that'll look that'll be a lot more fun at the end of the day. I know it'll be painful when it happens, but you lose a game like that, speaking of caution the wind, balls the walls back here. <laughs> When you can say we went down in a, you know, in a ball blaze of glory, yeah. blaze of glory, like we gave it our all as opposed to, you know, we went conservative. We didn't have timeouts and we lost because the refs made a bad call or we ran the ball 13 times. We only put up 16 points or, you know, we just didn't quite get in a rhythm on offense and we couldn't get push the ball down the field and yada, 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 repeat adjective here. Yeah. When, and when we've seen, you know, in, in, in tight game situations when they went to overtime with the Colts and then at the end of the half, um, was it just last week in the end of the half where they went, you know, all the way down the field? Yeah, against the Cardinals, yeah. Cardinals, yeah, yeah. And um, they're, they're able to have these explosive plays in this, uh, you know, uh, fun, exciting offense, um, you know, in, the, in those tight window situations, like – you know, let's, let's see that more regularly. Let's, you know, see that, you know, three or four times in the game, you know, call those kinds of plays. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking as you were talking that we should kind of, you know, it's about halfway through the season. So maybe we reassess, you know, go back through the rest of the remaining nine, nine, 10 games and, and, in on the schedule and pick, you know, winners and losers uh, for the Rams. But I don't even, I don't even, I don't even think I would, could have a more accurate assessment of how this team is going to play going forward. Cause we get one team one week where it looks like everything's clicking or at least something is clicking. Yeah. The running game is clicking in this game running 30 yeah. times and, and they're, and they're able to, uh, 30 rushes, 130 yards on, on 30 carries. Like that's great. Off two Freeman. guys that don't they weren't playing. Royce Freeman averaged 5.5 yards per carry. Yeah. Yeah. Which That's is great. Perfect, 
per perfect segue into you know positives i think couple positives let's do it couple positives all right all right you yeah, can yeah. start off Couple positives for this game well you know we just pointed out royce freeman but i'm going to point toward um kevin dotson and just what a presence he's been in the middle of that uh, uh offensive line uh, what that means is you have a very expensive left tackle slash right guard and Joe Noteboom on the bench. Now he's been hurt, um, so maybe they're they're putting some caution on that, but also they're not eager to get him back into into the game. It seems like so, but Kevin Dodson's doing a phenomenal job, and and St Steve Avila, obviously those two guys, Colby Shelton, you know, but they're just opening up those gaps and that gap run scheme and. And those guys are just finding tons of room, you know, uh, Daryl Henderson kind of looking like, a, you know, his old self from way back in Memphis days where he's picking up large chunks. Um, you know, eventually the Pittsburgh d defense kind of caught on and, and we're able to start uh, closing, closing those gaps and getting, getting a hat on a hat there and those gaps. But uh, you know, um, you know, it's, you know, a couple of guys that are just brand new to this uh, starting roster and they were just able to move the ball consistently in a way that we, we you know, we started to see it last week and we're, and we're seeing it this week and uh, love to see that, especially against this Pittsburgh defense. You know, it's one thing to do that against the Cardinals, but to do it against the Steelers, TJ Watt and that uh, great uh, front seven, you know, it, it's great things to come for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, love seeing that. So my positive, I, Let's give a shout out. We said it earlier. Let's give a shout out to Michael Hoyt. I mean, here's a guy that comes in last year, gets gets thrust into a starting role at a position he wasn't, you know, familiar with at the edge and, you know, <laughs> couldn't set the edge. Like he just wasn't an NFL ready edge player. Even coming to this, this season, you know, is like, oh man, this is our starting edge rotation here with, with Michael Hoyt and a, a rookie and Byron Young. And, and it's going to be rough. And, you know, it hasn't been by any means a top, top unit, but I feel like Michael Hoyt's gotten better week in and week out just continues to improve. His body looks right. Two sacks in this game. So, you know, it's not perfect. He's still not probably a, a top edge guy, or he's certainly not a top edge guy in the league when it comes to all phases of the game. But in terms of pass rush moves, in terms of strength, in terms of setting the edge, he gets better and better every week. So he's working his butt off. You love to see what those coaches are doing with him uh, and, and how they're utilizing his skill set better. And, hey, you got a two-sack game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's something to uh, to tip your cap to. So, touche, Michael Hoyne continuing to improve. Love to see it. Well, it's good It's good that he's uh, he's able to learn these things quickly. You know, he's an uh, Ivy League guy, brown bear. Um, brown and, bear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I tried to get in brown. They didn't let me in. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even try. There was no opportunity I, there. I didn't apply. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which, but, what, what would you rank brown in the Ivy League uh, – is Harvard one and Princeton two? I mean, I'm going to, are we talking football or, or just scholastically just institution, just institution. Oh, okay. I, I, I like to put Yale ahead of Harvard just to, to rib okay. Harvard. Oh yeah. People. Yale, the, <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like Harvard Yale is probably one, a one B and then what right. is Princeton next or Columbia or Brown? Well, like then, Brown's um, the bottom. we got Dartmouth, I think is probably the, the lowest of there. This is a, a question for uh, Jamal, I think more than myself. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> University of Carney uh, is uh, nowhere near the Ivy league in any uh, situation. I don't yeah, think uh, Ivy can even grow. <laughs> nor is Long Beach state. So, you know, go beach uh, <laughs> where I was at on the beach more than I was in the classroom. But I just always feel like the only way I rank Ivy's is who I hear the least about. And I feel like I'd never hear anything about Brown. Well, there's, there, there's lots of, 
lots of jokes about um um Cor- uh, yeah cornell in um in the office so like i think that's probably the, the maybe the bottom of the barrel there cornell now I, I, yeah so i mean stanford's up there they're not even technically ivy league they're the ivy league of the west but stanford's probably ahead of brown and cornell and dartmouth maybe I don't know. I know. Harvard and Yale is probably, well, yeah, who knows? Let's get off. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Brown Bear, Michael Hoyt, have yourself a game, two sacks. Anything else you want to add, Skinny T, or, or should we leave it at that? I think we can leave it at that. Um, you know, I know, you know, we've we've touched it all on a lot of the positives. Puka Nakua, you know, uh, Stafford continues to be impressive. Um, yeah. My favorite, I mean, real quick, my favorite thing about Puka Nakua, I don't know if you've noticed this, I feel like he wears like the clunkiest, oldest looking cleats. Like they're just like most receivers have like the speed performance cleats that are like almost look like soccer cleats or track cleats. He's got these like big clunkers. They look like Nike monarchs out there. Just like if he, if he was, he was toe tapping on that beautiful catch down the sideline. And if he was, if he was deemed out, it was cause he was wearing some damn near clown shoes out there. So shout out to Pukunakua's Nike monarch style cleats. Yeah, I've uh, never noticed that. I love that kind of <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Go check the clip. Yeah, let's get this. Let's get this guy some like Nike Freeze, some like nice speed performance cleats. I think. Maybe that. Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures now. They almost like. Uh, I think you could wear those on a golf course. To be honest with you, right? They look like foot joys or, or something that's not what a top receiver wears. Yeah, so let's get well, let's get my man some speed cleats. All right, let's make it yeah, happen. I think Come he's doing all right club. with these. You know. Like, Maybe, yeah, maybe let's not change it up. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's, you know, he's setting the pace for every rookie receiver ever. So maybe, uh, maybe I need to shut my mouth and just don't change anything up. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. This is the Rams skinny tough loss. Rams dropped three and four. They got the Cowboys next week out in Dallas. Expect a rebound, but we'll see. We'll get into it later in the week with our preview show. Make sure to like and subscribe to the Rams LAFB YouTube channel. Certainly helps us out. We're trying to grow that up. And obviously, all of our Rams content can be found at lafbnetwork.com. For Ryan Skinny T. Anderson, I'm Ryan Dyrud. Thank you, Ramley. Stay blessed. Stay well. We'll talk to you all in a couple days.